Welcome to episode six of the Bigger Picture Podcast. Wanted to thank you guys for all the support you've given, and I hope you've enjoyed all the episodes up to this point. This is going to be a finale for the short intro season of the Bigger Picture, and I hope you all continue to support us moving forward. We have a great guest today who a lot of people are familiar with in the DMV, and he dives into how he builds bonds with those he coaches, his mentors, and also his philosophy for helping his players grow on and off the court. Also goes in on his time growing up in the DMV and drops a lot of other gems. So, we've got a great coach, but an even better person. Welcome, Tony Bentley. All right, we got a special guest today, Tony Bentley. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, man, good to see you, man. And uh, thanks for having me on, man. I'm doing well. All right, so... Before we actually jump into anything, you know, with the NBA season coming back, you know, this bubble hoops, I just want to ask you a serious question. Who do you got coming out with the chip? Well, I mean, honestly, man, this has been great to have the basketball back on. And, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, maneuvered a little bit with the, how they're doing the bubble. But uh, the team that was doing what they were supposed to be doing before the bubble hit was the Lakers. And, uh I think the Lakers going to take it, but, you know, what they did the other night by letting them guys know we ain't here to play around with you guys, scoring 80 points at the half, man. I think they're ready to kick it in. So I, I, I'm going to go with the Lakers, and hopefully LeBron can pull this one out. In honor of Kobe, I was really hoping they got that 81. They were, they was just right there, but. Yeah. I didn't I'm even think the about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But they had the yeah. Black Mamba uniforms on, though. Those those uniforms are fire. Yeah, those yeah. Fire. They had nice. to win that game. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So. To jump right to it, basically, I want to ask, you know, the community knows you as Coach Bentley, right? But can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your upbringing? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy because uh, small little story. Um, I grew up in Green Valley, you know, right a mile away from Wakefield. And um, when it was time for me to go to high school, you know, as, as a middle schooler, I was expecting and excited about going to Wakefield you know, doing the Wakefield stomp. I, I go to all the games, man, and I was ready. And then all of a sudden I was told I had to go to Washington Lee. So I was going every morning past Wakefield to go to Washington Lee every morning. And, um, you know, it kind of hurt because some of my friends went to Wakefield and uh, I always wanted to go to Wakefield. But, you know, back in the in the 80s, there was a thing called busting and they had to send so many black kids to our neighborhood schools, to WNL and Yorktown, because of the black neighborhood we lived in. And um, so, I mean, everything worked out okay, but I would have never thought that uh, years later that I would have an opportunity to uh, be the head coach at, at Wakefield High School. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's a tough situation to be in. Um, when you grow up in the neighborhood of the high school um, and you come back and you become a coach or a teacher, or whatever it may be, you're dealing with uh, neighborhood people that you grew up with, but now you're dealing with their kids. And a lot of people sometimes don't see you as Coach Bentley, but they still see you as, you know, Little Tony, as which I was affectionately called when I was growing up, you know, Little Tony or had so many nicknames, you know. But, um, you know, you have to get past that when you are an adult and, and you're on the right path. But um, I, I loved all my time growing up in Green Valley. Um, I, I, a lot of friends, um, a lot of family, community um, was meant a lot to me uh, growing up in, in Green Valley. Um, so having the opportunity to come back and, and coach at Wakefield has, has been a blessing. Yeah, I can only imagine a lot of people I know um, that wanted to play together 
you know, that have even played for you, they probably had to go through like, oh, now I got to go play my friend. And it's not the biggest deal, but you know, when you're younger, it's like, damn, like, you just want to go be around the people that you already like comfortable with. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and that's, that. the thing about, that's the thing about Arlington, as far as, you know, we have the three high schools, um, you know, WNL, Yorktown and Wakefield. And a lot of the guys, you know, grow up in the same area. And, and if they don't grow up together, then they probably end up going to the career center together. Um, so you have those rivals within within yourselves. And I coached at Washington Lee for 10 years before I came to Wakefield. And so that the WNL Yorktown rival is is unlike any other. And, you know, since I've been at Wakefield, there's really truly no rival that we have. We've made some rivals with, you know, Edison and Marshall throughout the years. But the WNL Yorktown rival is like you wouldn't believe. And it's still like it, like it, you know, now it's like it was back in the day. So you know, having those rivals and you just want to be able to get up in the morning and go to the career center and be able to say, we kicked y'all butts last night, you know. And then also when you go to TJ and when you're hooping and you be able to say, we beat y'all. So those games really mean a lot when you're playing against, you know, one of the Arlington schools. For sure. So what inspired you to be a basketball coach? Man, I'll tell you what, to be honest, uh, once I realized uh, I, I topped out at five foot six, and I wasn't growing anymore. <laughs> you know, I was just like every other kid. I thought I was going to the NBA. I thought I was going to the NFL. You know, all that good stuff. I played basketball and football in high school and, and thought I was going to be the next, you know, great whatever it may be. And then you realize when you're only five foot six, 150 pounds, uh, it's, you got to be really special to make it to the next level. And so I always wanted to be around basketball and football because I coached high school football at Washington Lee for eight or nine years as well, too. And uh, once I realized that my playing days were going to be over, um, I wanted to make sure that I, I gave back and I wanted to stay involved with coaching somehow. Um, and how I got into coaching was my senior year in high school, we had a coach, uh, my, the coach before him, uh, he had uh, retired. So we got a new coach um, my senior year, John Phillips. And being able to meet Coach Phillips uh, changed me as, as a person, and as a coach, I learned so much from Coach Phillips um, how to, you know, be approachable, how to uh, teach um, and, and get across to today's youth. Um, and, and the funny thing is, you know, he, he was an, an, an older white man. Um, and, and I'm sitting back thinking about this when I was thinking about doing this podcast with you. Like I had never had a white man as my basketball coach. I had him as my football coaches, but I not, never had one. And he treated us all the same and um, just amazing. To this day, he's still my mentor. You know, we talk weekly. Um, he's a good, good, good friend of mine. Um, and that was 30-something years ago. I was in high school, and I'm still in contact with my high school coach. But he's the one who got me in the, in the coaching basketball. And um, I, I thank him every day that I'm doing what I'm doing. It's all because of John Phillips. That's amazing. So as a coach, you always have to deal with, you know, the people you – are coaching already and developing them more, but also keeping an eye out on, you know, upcoming people that you might have to be working with. And during, how's this pandemic affected the upcoming and current players that you coach? Well, as you know, my man, because you went to Wakefield, we have a lot of uh, students who uh, sometimes will, they're banking on a scholarship, you know, to, to get to college because of, you know, whether it be financial situations at home. Um, so they're really looking forward to their senior year being recruited, um, and with this pandemic, um, it's, it's something that we've never seen before. 
Um, you know, I was talking to, we had, we just got back to school the other day, virtually, of course, and our principal coach, Dr. Wilmo, was telling everyone that this is our first day of school. I mean, it truly is our first day of school for everyone because we've never been through anything like this. So imagine what these kids are going through as far as uh, thinking about to have a senior season um, and then it just be snatched from you, uh, right away from you with, with you know, just this blind pandemic, which is crazy, man. And it's, it's affected the kids in so many ways because the social emotional piece, um, you know, we, we don't get the chance to be around the kids. Um, as you know, we, I coach basketball from November to March, but that's not truly correct. I coach basketball year round because I'm with these guys 24 seven, 12 months of the year. And so it's hard because you can't condition, you can't train with the guys. Uh, there's so many different rules. So, you know, only thing we can do is, you know, we've been texting back and forth and, and talking and making sure these guys are straight. But to take away your senior year when it's it's your year where you ha have an opportunity to possibly get a, a scholarship to attend a, a university to play sports, and that's just taken away from you. And not only that, we're not for sure if we're going to play sports this year. You know, the NBA is, is great because they're in a bubble. You can't put high school kids in a bubble and, a, mm -hmm. and, and have a season. So... It's tough, man. It's it's. I feel so bad for these kids. Um, but again, I, I tell the kids all the time. They call me and ask me questions. I'm like, this is the first time I really feel like I don't have an answer uh, for my guys when they ask me, "What do you think?" And I I don't have an answer because we're all going through this right now. You know, in, in a year or so, I'll be able to have an answer. But right now, I don't have an answer. But I just, you know, feel terrible for my seniors who have been working their butts off for this year because a lot of kids. Um, you know, they don't peak until their senior year. So they may have a good junior year and the colleges may start looking, but then all of a sudden they hit that senior year and they just peak. You know, they're dunking and they're jumping higher and, and, they, and they grew. You know, most kids start to grow a little bit by the time they're 17. You know, you go from, you know, 6'1 uh, to 6'3, it makes a big difference. So, you know, for and colleges not to be able to see these guys with the AAU in the summertime, you know, all of that was shut down. So, it's been difficult to, to say the least, um, but we're just trying to hope for, for the best. Yeah, I can't imagine how it must be for those, you know, players and students to feel like they're losing their opportunity or, you know, their last shot um, yeah. to kind of prove themselves or show their worth. And I mean, even then, like a lot of people, their senior year is really important to them, even if they're not playing sports. So yeah, just for the whole classes in general, even the people that just graduated, like they really yeah. Whether it's high school or college, this has been taken from a lot of people. So it is odd. And yeah. a, a good point you had, too, is, you know, when people are that age, you're looking to your coaches, your teachers, your parents for answers. And this is a situation for the first time we're going through it. So yeah. if, if the people above us don't have answers or people, no. you know, nobody has and answers. It's tough because, like you said, they do look for me for answers and things like that. And I usually have the answer. Um, and, and this one I don't, and I feel bad, you know, and I'm just telling them every day, just listen and find out what's next. And we're, we're in this together. You know, the main thing is to let my guys know that we are in this together. You know, whatever you guys need, I'm here. But, you know, the information I'm getting, I'm getting it just like you guys, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tough. So to go to your coaching a bit, what strategies are effective at elevating group morale for you? Well, I think when, when you talk about group morale, I think what we've built at Wakefield in the just starting my 19th year at Wakefield, um, so we've had some success. Um, so I think guys already come to Wakefield knowing uh, what's expected. Um, so we do a lot of things, um, not just on the basketball court, but we do a lot of things off the basketball court. We do it and we do it together. 
Um, you know, whether it's we go read once a week to the elementary school at Claremont Elementary School, we have a readers or leaders program. So everybody's involved in that. You get the chance to see kids in a different light. You know, we these take these 16, 17 year old kids who are all goofy and playing around. But when we put them in a setting with uh, first and second graders, it's amazing to watch these guys really turn into like young adults and to see that these kids are looking up to them. Um, in the past, we fed the homeless. Um, we do all kinds of things where we uh, help with the church with Christmas trees. We, you know, remove Christmas trees from the truck um, so they can go for sale on a lot. So I think a lot of it, people think that, you know, it's just X and O's of basketball, but it's so much more. Uh, if you're going to get somebody to buy into what you're going to do, you got to get a chance to know the kids and know their families and things like that, where they're coming from. Because everybody that I come across with, you know, I can't yell at a certain kid the way I do at another kid because I know each one of them's background. I know where they're coming from. So I know how to push one harder than the other. Um, but at the same time, we, we try to do a lot of things off the court um, to bond as a family, a brotherhood. And that way it translates for when you are on the court, um, you know, you don't want anything to happen to your brother. So you're going to you're going to box out. You're going to rebound. You're going to do whatever it is that you need to do, because that's your brother, because you built that built that bond before the season even started. Mm -hmm. So that kind of touches on to my next question a little bit. But how do you get a team to build chemistry each year? And of course, those things you just said are a big part of it, yeah. too. But a lot of it. Yeah. But I, that, yeah. I, will, I will tell you that uh, a thing that we've been doing ever since I've been at Wakefield and a lot of teams do it, but it's, it means a lot to us. Um, we go away to team camp. Um, and team camp is where we go away in the summertime. Um, we take the guys. We usually go to North Carolina State. We travel all the way to North Carolina to play against some of the top competition in the state of North Carolina. And we're staying in the dorms um, at NC State. And so, you know, we got 15 guys or whatever it may be, two to a room. They're learning already how to – what it's like to go to college. Um, staying in the dormitory, walking to the cafeteria to get your lunch. You have a meal card. Uh, we get three meals a day. So we're teaching these guys already. But the bonding that we get away from Arlington um, is, is so key. So we start that in June. Um, I can't tell you the last time I've been to a Wakefield graduation, I think 2005, because every year um, team camp is, starts that same Thursday when Wakefield graduates. So, you know, we're in vans and we're driving to North Carolina on that Thursday, the same night Wakefield is graduating. So I, har I hardly ever get a chance to see my former players graduate um, because we've already started our season in June uh, at team camp. And so that's, that's been really big for us. And then me being at Wakefield as long as I've been, we've always thought outside the box. And not only do we go away to team camp, but we've had the opportunity to, to go to Utah. Um, we've been to Utah two times. We flew out west to play in a basketball tournament. And there's not a lot of public schools that can say that they got on a plane and flew to Utah to play against some top competition. And, and we've done that at Wakefield. So we tried to, you know, get the guys outside of Arlington because, as you know, you know, everybody thinks Arlington is it. This is the, the mm. mecca this is where everything is. But there's so much more outside of Arlington. So what we try to do is get the kids to be able, through sports, um, be able to see different parts of the world or whatever it may be. We even we travel to uh, Norfolk. Uh, we travel to Richmond to play in different type of tournaments. And, you know, we don't duck anybody, win or lose. It's all about the experiences that uh, these young men are going to get through their four years at Wakefield. And that's, that's the main thing for me is I'm not worried about wins and losses, but 
making sure these uh, guys get the opportunity. Yeah, that's actually amazing because a lot of people, like you said, not a lot of people I know have that opportunity to even fly somewhere in, yeah. in high school. Yeah. And, you know, even for a playing stand, you know, they're getting to this experience to play against people. And that's, that's like what NBA players do. You know, they're traveling yeah. to other cities to play people. Not even a lot of college players do that. No. So they're getting that experience and I'm sure it helps them and it boosts their confidence. Like, yo, like I just learned something from like Utah, like who, who yeah. would have ever thought like I was going to go do this thing in Utah and I get to learn from there. So well, it's I will amazing say that we, you do that. We went uh, last year and uh, one of our kids, it was his first time ever on a plane. So he's 17 years old. It's his first time ever on a plane. You think about that. You take a kid from Arlington and it's his first time on a plane. And so he sat in front of me. And, you know, I've been on a plane several times and I was waiting. And he's so nervous. And, you know, he, the plane took off and he's screaming like a little kid or whatever it was. But it was just awesome to see that. I know now the first time that he remembers that he went on the plane is he went on the plane with his, his basketball team in high school. So some little things like that mean a lot that, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of with these young men's development. Yeah. So what's, what's your philosophy of coaching? Cause you know, you guys clearly win a lot and have good <laughs> team chemistry from what I see. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, everybody has a different philosophy, whether you talk about styles that you play, uh, whether you, you like to be a fast break team or you like to be a team that slows it down. Um, more important, I think my philosophy, me as Coach Bentley, is my philosophy is just being honest uh, is number one. I'm honest with the kids. Uh, I'm direct. And, you know, and what I like to do is try to define their roles um, on the team. So I think the problem nowadays with kids, uh, no one's really honest with them. You know, they just tell them, oh, you're great. Oh, you're good. And in nationality, you're really not that good. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of kids who come from our middle schools or, you know, the younger levels, they probably were the best player on their middle school team or youth team. But by the time they get to high school, everybody has caught up with them. And if they haven't been doing the work to continue to stay, stay good, people are always going to pass you. Um, you know, so the thing is I try to be as honest and I let them know up front if you're that good, if you're good enough, um, what, what things would be. And I try to be direct with them, you know, about, you know, their position or whatever they're going to be able to do for the team. Um, it's, it, I think it's so important. And then we define roles on the team. We let each kid know what your role is on a team because if a kid doesn't understand his role on a the team, then night in and night out, he's just going to shoot the ball anytime he wants or whatever. So we have to define roles on the team. And, and roles do change because, you know, your top player could get injured. And now your sixth or seventh man, his role now has changed. So everybody has to understand what their role is on the team and understanding that, you know, it, it doesn't matter who gets the credit. You know, we just – as long as we get the win, uh, th and that's what you build – those relationships off the court that leads up to everything with my philosophy. And I just think again, back with, with being honest and a lot of parents sometimes don't want to, to, for me to be honest or my staff to be honest, but in the long run, it's going to help uh, us as a program and it's going to help the individual kid um, for us being honest. So that's just our philosophy of what we try to do at Wakefield. And I think it's worked, um, you know, for the kids who it didn't work for, they, they weren't ready for it. But the kids who have worked for, you know, have gone off to do good things. We've sent 
countless of kids off to college to, to play basketball. Um, and a lot of kids didn't go off to play basketball, but they were able to be good citizens and go off to college or whatever it may be, get jobs. Um, that's, that's the main focus that we try to do. So it's a little side note, but it's kind of funny. Uh, shout out to Dang, but anytime we're playing 2K, he's saying, he, he'll always say the saying like Tony Bentley said, don't jump or stay, on, stay down or something. Whenever like someone's trying to take a shot up. So it's just kind of funny about like, yeah, defensive mindset, just like stay down. Like, yeah, stay down. That's, you know, because you, you go for that fake, you're in trouble. You know, so <laughs> you got to stay down. And with an athleticism of Dang, Dang could actually wait for the other person jump. And then he could jump and block the shot. You know, Dang is just that athletic. <laughs> we haven't had too many guys come through Wakefield like Dang. So you're right. Shout out to my man, Dang. <laughs> yeah. So do you believe the local community support is important to the success of a team? Because for Wakefield, you know, there is a lot of – support to that team even for people that didn't you know they have nothing to do with Wakefield like during the games yeah. I'd see people coming from all over the Arlington even outside of Arlington yeah well I, I will say this man you know like I said I grew up in Arlington South Arlington and I knew how important the basketball program was to Arlington and you know when I got the job at Wakefield I didn't take it light you know there was a coach that was at Wakefield for 31 years before me coach Bob Belden he's a legend um you know to give up 31 years of your life um, at one school uh, says a lot. Coach Belgian did a lot for the for the uh, for the Wakefield basketball program, but that community, uh, man, let me tell you, when I first got there, and we had some success right off the bat. You know, we won the regional, won the conference championship my second year, um, and we won the conference and regional championship my third year on the way to the state tournament, and we had the that's, that was when the super fans first started. Um, they came out 0405, just was unbelievable with the super fans we had. And it started to die off a little bit. But the one thing that Wakefield has always had is the support of the neighborhood fans. There was always guys, we call them the old heads. All of the old heads were at the games. They sit in their one section and, you know, it's the, it's the greatest thing when you win because the next day at the barbershop, they're talking good about you. But it's also when you lose. They talking bad about you. And that's the one thing I love about Wakefield, man. You know, one day you can be patted on the back. The next day you can be, they need to fire Bentley. You know what I mean? But <laughs> that's what I love about, you know, Wakefield basketball, you know, the fact that the community cares. And when we were able to go to the state tournament and travel, you know, we would take eight and nine busloads of students and, and fans and people was taking off of work um, to, to go to the state tournament. So, I, I, a lot of people say, oh, that's a lot of pressure. You know, you grew up in the neighborhood and you got all these people coming. It, to me, it's not pressure. It's just I'm proud to to do the things that I've done um, at Wakefield. Well, I, not me. I, I got to stop saying me. I've had some great players and I've had great coaches um, along the way. Those are the people who've made Wakefield basketball um, stay consistent. My job is very easy, um, you know, when you get a community um, around you. And, and I don't. I got to shout out to, to our, our, my principal, you know, Dr. Wilmore. Um, and Noel Deskins, who was the AD, she just retired last year, um, who hired me back in 2002 um, to give us the support um, that Wakefield needs. Um, it's a special place. Um, and like I said, the fans are hard on you um, because they want to win. You know what I mean? And the last time we won a state championship was 1961. You know, so we, we've gotten close. In 2018, we lost in the championship game. Um, but, you know, my, my one of my – internal goals is to bring a state championship uh, back to Wakefield. You know, that's, that's, that's all I'm coaching for is to bring a state championship back to Wakefield. 
Yeah. So if you could go back in time, what would you tell yourself at the start of your coaching career? What would I tell myself at the start of my coaching career? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it, it, you know what? At the start of my coaching career, you know what? I was, I spent um, nine or 10 years at Washington Lee as an assistant coach. And I was an assistant coach under Bobby Dobson, who is another one of my mentors. He's like my brother. Um, and he's still at Washington Lee right now. And after about nine or 10 years, I felt like I was ready to take over a program. And of course, I wanted to be the head coach at my alma mater, which was Washington Lee, now Washington Liberty. Um, but Coach Dobson is a great coach, and I learned so much under him for eight or nine years. And the, the thing about taking on a, a new job, I was so green to everything. I was a JV coach. I didn't know all the responsibilities of what a varsity coach had to do. All I really wanted to do was just coach and be around the guys. Well, when you hit the varsity, there's so much more involved. You're dealing with parents. You're dealing with, with teachers. Um, you know, you're dealing with so many other things that at the end of the day, you look back like coaching X and O's is the last thing. So for a lot of people who are wanting to get into coaching because you think you're you know, can coach or you're going to be a good coach. There's so many more things that feed into becoming a good coach. And that's, you know, building relationships with the teachers in the school, um, your administration. Um, so that way, when things do go awry, they can come talk to you. You can talk to them and you've got to build those relationships. And I think if I had to do it all over again, I had some tough parents um, when I first started, you know, I was 30 years old. I think I was when I first started at Wakefield, 31 years old. Um, you know, young, and a, a, a lot of parents, I think, thought they could just kind of tell me how things were done. But I had my own vision for which way I wanted Wakefield basketball to go. Because, again, you remember, I grew up in the neighborhood, and I knew what Wakefield basketball was all about. Um, you know, I did, my, I did some homework, man, and, and saw, you know, 1961 was the first state championship, 1969 regional uh, championship teams, and 1990 regional championship teams, and all kinds of things and found out about coaches and players and things. So I wanted to come in and keep that tradition, but also put a little bit of spin on it, um, on the things that I wanted to do for the program. And me and, and my longtime assistant coach, Coach Willis, uh, Buck has been with me since we started at Wakefield. And like none of the things that we've done at Wakefield could have been done without, you know, everybody says Coach Bentley, Coach Bentley, but Coach Willis is, is the backbone of Wakefield basketball. He doesn't get a lot of credit. Um, for the things that he does. But all the players who've come through Wakefield for the last 19 years know that, you know, Coach Willis and Coach Bentley are pretty much co-coaches um, when it comes to running Wakefield basketball. But if I, I got off track a little bit, but just to get, I just think if I had to do it all over again, I would just make sure that I, you know, I, I took, you know, criticism better, you know, because I, you know, people, a lot of people say, I don't care what people think about me. That's, that's bull. People care about what people think about them. You know what I mean? So you want to try to, you know, can't make everybody happy. I have learned that you can't make everybody happy, but you want to make sure that your program and your kids are in the, in a good situation. So that's in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely think a lot of people do try to act like, you know, like I don't care what anyone says, I'm going to do what I want, but it's, that's yeah. usually because like someone didn't agree with you. And yeah. side note, people need to learn how to disagree it's not really yeah, the end of the world. You can agree to disagree, right. and that's completely fine. Yeah, but that's something we all need to do as people. To You're right, You're right um, about that. 
just you know get past things and not be so mad all the time yeah so what message are you hoping to leave with each player you coach you know you're meeting these new uh new players every year new people that you might coach new people you are already coaching and you have a different impact on each person so what's the message you're trying to hope to leave with each player that you are coaching i think at the end of the day um you know a lot of people don't come up to me and say, you know, what was your record in 2007? What was your record? What was your record? They don't say that. They always ask about the kid, you know, former players. Hey, whatever happened to Kenny James? Whatever happened to Alex Ermer? You know, whatever happened to, you know, those type of guys? So I think you know, what I want to leave for the guys is not necessarily like how many games did you win when you played for Wakefield, but what kind of person were you? Were you at Wakefield? You know, are you going to be that kid that when your senior year and you need letter letters of recommendation, is anyone going to want to write a letter of recommendation for you? So those are things that we try to instill in the kids about being young men and going out into your community and making your community better. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, John Thompson, former coach at Georgetown from back in the day, he used to keep a, a flat ball on his desk and everyone would come in his office and, touch that ball. It was a flat ball. And then, well, coach, why you got this flat ball on your desk? And he would always say, because one day the air is going to be out of your basketball and you're not going to be able to play anymore. What are you going to be able to do? So for a lot of our kids that we have at Wakefield, you know, they, we get very few to go off and play college basketball or whatever it may be. But though in four years of high school basketball, possibly four years of college basketball, that could be it. I mean, you could be probably playing in your local rec league and things like that, but what kind of legacy are you going to live? What kind of person, what are you going to do for your community and, and your family to be that type of person? So we try to, you know, teach um, not just your basketball skills, but, you know, life skills with the kids and things. So at the end of the day, like you, you said, I do have a different relationship with each kid. And, and, you know, we can always say, oh, we have the same set of rules. Yeah, we have the same set of rules, but each kid is different. And not that we favor anyone more than the other, um, but we all have a set of rules and we just want to make sure that everybody goes off into the world and, and, and becomes a productive citizen. And I know you probably heard, you know, when you're, you're, you're born date, you know, 1980, and then you have the dash and then, you know, you die, you know, 2029 or whatever it may be. It's what you have done that dash. It's all about the dash, not about the two dates at the beginning and the end, but what did you do? you know, through that dash, you know, did you leave a life impression, a lasting impression? So things like that we try to do. And, and uh, basketball is secondary. Um, it falls into place because it's what they want to do. They love basketball. Like I said, you're not, you're not coming to English class when you come to practice. You want to be here. You don't want to go to algebra class. I know you don't, mm. but you want to be here. So you might as well make the most of the time that you hear, you're here. Uh, get better. Be a, be a really good teammate and, and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, that's, I couldn't, you know, that's great that those kids are going to leave with that. And, you know, even as you touched upon a couple of times, they're going to turn into young adults and it's a Absolutely. little progression to give them that experience. So that's big time for anyone to even you know, learn those life, ses life lessons at that age. Because a yes, lot of people sir. in high school don't even get to learn that, you know, for people that might be a little more quiet or not involved, you know. Yeah. So it's great that you're given that opportunity and that lesson to these people that you have the chance to experience relationship with absolutely and the thing you have to ex ex understand is like don't judge me when i was 15 or 16 years old 
I made a lot of mistakes when I was 15, 16 years old. So I, I don't judge my players because they're going to make mistakes. But the mm-hmm. main thing is that you learn from them. And through the life lessons that I've been through, that everything in my life that I've been through, I am able to be able to give my kids a scenario, something that happened in my life, or if it didn't happen in my life, one of my friend's life, or my uncle's life, or my dad's life, whatever it may be, something that I could tell these kids that you're not the first one to do this. It's already been done. You know what I mean? So let's, let's how to get better. So, you know, I, I always remember that just, you know, don't judge me at, at 15 years old, you know, so I don't judge my kids. You know, they're going to get better. Um, they're going to grow up. And, you know, now I'm at the point in my career where my former players are getting married. They're having kids, um, you know, and so when you get that invitation in the mail uh, to come to my wedding or I have my daughter, it, it takes on a whole new meaning of becoming a basketball coach. It's a big responsibility and not just for wins and losses, but to be in these kids' lives uh, forever, you know, and, and those are the kids who really get it and they, they were paying attention um, when you were talking. And it, it's evident because, you know, most of my kids that I coached on my first team from 2002, 2003 at, at Wakefield, I'm still in contact with a lot of the guys and not just a like or share on Facebook, but actually a phone call and, and things that I'm watching some of my guys that I had back in the day with three kids now married, you know, and so it's wild to see that, you know, so there's a responsibility that comes with coaching. And if you're in this for wins and losses, you're in it for the wrong reason. Yeah. Impact is huge. Even in not even just this career, but any career, like what's your impact yeah. beyond what you're doing? Legacy Absolutely. impact. Like what are you leaving behind? Yeah. So to transition over, in your opinion, how can we be better allies to the Black Lives Matter movement? Yeah, now you know that, you know, the world is, uh, we're changing and um, for the better. And to see everyone protesting um, the way that they have been, it, it's been good. I'm, I'm old enough to know some of the things that happened back in the days. And I was explaining to my daughter the other day when we were watching all the stuff that was going on with George Floyd. Uh, my youngest daughter is 16 years old and we were watching and I said to her, this kind of reminds me of Rodney King. And my daughter looked at me and was like, who's Rodney King? And I had to take a step back to go like, wow. And she's like, dad, they, they don't teach us this stuff in school, you know? And so, we paused the TV and we, I wanted her to understand what Rodney King was and what he, what he was and how it started with him in 1991 um, with the police brutality and things like that. So I think what we've done since then is just start to educate ourselves. Um, you you got to research. You can't just listen to one person. You've got to go out and do your research on, on so many different things to, to understand what's going on, you know, because she was watching, we were watching the TV and, and we went back and saw some marches and things like that. And she was like, dad, they're saying the same thing that they're saying, um, you know, no justice, no peace. I, I explained to her that they just didn't make that up in 2020. You know, this has been going on for a long time, but I just think now that in 2020, that more people of, of, of Caucasian people are sick and tired of this as well too. When you watch someone uh, die, you know, on camera, and I don't care who you are, black, white, green, it doesn't matter. You see that he's a human. And I think this is where 
I, I, I truly believe that the corner, it, we're, we're going to turn that corner. Is it going to happen next week? Is it going to happen next month? No. We still have a long way to go. As you see, we, we just had another police killing. You know, when is it going to stop? You know, you, you just don't know. But if we don't fight now, you, you, it may not be in my lifetime, my generation, but hopefully my grandkids, that this world will start to change. But I think we have to continue doing what they're doing, whether it's uh, boycotting the basketball games. Um, you know, you got to you, you have to figure this out to where everybody is equal. I mean, Martin Luther King said this 1968 and here it is 2020 and it's not much difference, you know, so we've got to educate ourselves. Um, and you've got to be, you have to have uncomfortable conversations. Um, every Sunday night I'm, I'm on a, a zoom call with about 16 other high school basketball coaches. Um, half may be white, half may be black. Um, but, we're having uncomfortable conversations to get better. And it's really good. You know, these guys that, I, that I'm on the call with every Sunday night, are, I consider good friends of mine. And we're having uncomfortable conversations because we want to, when we do return back to school, we want to be able to help our players and then help the school, help the community of being better. Um, so I just think with, with what's going on in the world, it, it's sad. I mean, it really is sad. But if we don't stand up for this, um, we're going to continue to fall. And so I just think that educate ourselves, man. You got to ask questions. No more do you just put your head down and not ask questions. When, when we do return back to school, I'm praying that, you know, the school system changes a little bit and start adding different things in the curriculum. Um, because there's so many things that aren't being taught about. You know, every, every kid can tell you about Martin Luther King but they can't tell you about Megger Evans or they can't tell, you know, there's so many different people out there besides Martin Luther King that we're not teaching. And now with the Black Lives Matter, you know, we need to, again, I'll, I'll keep saying it, educate ourselves, research, ask questions. You know, you, you know, when you, when you were two years old, you used to always say, why, why to your mommy? Why, why? We need to be that way now at, in your twenties, in your thirties, ask why, why? Because if it, just keep asking why till you get the answer. Um, but it, it's, it's a, it's a trying time, um, for the world. And you say black lives matter and people say all lives matter. Yeah. But it won't matter until the black lives matter. And then once we get through that, then, then we can start to talk about all lives matter. And that's not saying that all lives don't matter, but we've got to really understand about what black people have been going through in this country. And again, man, it's just sad. You, you get me all off topic, man. I'm, I, you know, I, I just want to coach, but at, at the end of the day, man, you know, it, it means a lot. I've got kids and I've got a responsibility to, you know, my, my Wakefield community. And, you know, it's just so, so sad that we are, you know, being judged because of our color of our skin in 2020. You know, it, it, it's sad. So I hope that, you know, we continue this movement because a lot of times we do movements and nothing ever comes out of it. And I hope that this just doesn't stop. And, you know, so I hope we continue going on the path that we're going on. Yeah, I mean, that was very well said. I just think, you know, this isn't something that should be a trend or anything. This should no. just be a lifestyle until it, this, like, everyone needs to make this into a lifestyle. Yeah, and absolutely. Like you said, it's 2020. We're finding out about UFOs. I don't know why we're still even <laughs> dealing with racism. Like, Right, right. Yeah. It's, yeah, so we got to push forward, you know, educating ourselves is the biggest thing and sort of uncomfortable conversations because that yeah. 
you know, even with, it doesn't really matter who, some people, even with their own families, it starts, yeah. you know, at home having conversations with parents that might not, you know, well, think that, the same that, way. To me, that's where it starts. I mean, it, it starts, so you, you, racism is, is not learned. You know, it, you, you, they're, they're teaching that at home. You, you look at and you see all of the kids, who, black, white, who play together, who do whatever it is. It, to me, it starts at home. And if you're not teaching the right things at home, then it's going to spill out when, when your kids leave the house. And that's why it doesn't change because it's so, it's been so many years. And that's why hopefully that this generation, your generation, is the one that's going to change it. And then your kids are going to be the ones that have learned from you guys. And that's how this world starts to change slowly. I don't know if in every area, but it's going to start to change slowly. And like we talk about, you know, you got to get out and vote. And, you know, whatever you're 18, you have to vote. You cannot sit back, especially this year. I ain't going to get into it, but this year is probably one of the most important times to, to vote. And, you know, and not just always, you know, just go vote when it's presidential time. You got to vote these, these, these uh, city leaders out mayors or whatever if they're not doing what they're supposed to do you got to vote man that's that's what it boils down to you have to vote yeah that's i mean so we don't get it misunderstood you know a lot of people think it's only like oh presidential election that's when we have to no you have to vote and every single one yes. if someone's doing the wrong job get them out of there like yeah absolutely man absolutely. every single one so yeah that was all very well said i hope whoever has listened to this can take millions of things out of what you've said yes, and to ask this last question on a serious note, just like the first question that we asked, if you were to be able to coach one of these two players, who would it be, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? <laughs> so, great question. But let me tell you right now, I've learned, I've learned, man, because in, in my mentor, like I told you about Coach Phillips, he's older than me, right? So, we've had this debate, and he will tell me, because I'm the biggest Michael Jordan fan you can find. Not a knock against Jordan. It's not a knock. I mean, I'm sorry. Not a knock against LeBron. It's not a knock against Katie. It's not a knock against Kobe. I grew up in the Michael Jordan era. So that's my era. My, my mentor, Coach Phillips, Oscar Robinson. You can't tell him nothing bad about Oscar Robinson, right? So I get it. My best friend, right? His son, Kenya. Kenya Hunter's my best friend. His son, Jalen. He's a LeBron fan. We sat down. Well, he's, he was in Connecticut at the time, and I'm here. And we watched the 10-part uh, series of the Bulls because we were trying to get his son to understand Michael Jordan is the greatest. And after all 10 episodes, it didn't make him a difference. LeBron James is his guy. I get it. I have no problem with anybody saying LeBron James because LeBron James is a beast. It's, it's his era. It's, it's what it, Kobe Bryant, that era. You know, you can continue going back and finding guys, you know. So if I had to coach one of them guys, it's not even a question. Michael Jordan, not even a question. LeBron, the things that LeBron has done, yo, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But I will say, Mike stayed with the Bulls the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> not the whole time. Yeah. So, but I mean, listen, man. You, you pick your poison. You give me LeBron, you give me Michael Jordan, and I'm, I'm starting a franchise. Um, it's going to be we'll, – we'll listen to this 20 years later, and there's going to be a kid saying, Luka Doncic was the baddest <laughs> thing out there. You know what I mean? It's, it's about your era, and I respect that. So they can debate 
years and years, who's the best, who's the greatest. You can't because we talked about that. People said Bill Russell. Bill Russell had, well, he, co he played 13 years, 11 championships. Why don't we talk about Bill Russell as the GOAT? That's unbelievable, right? Mm -hmm. They all, oh, Bill Russell would have killed Shaq. Listen, Shaq was 7'1", almost 300 pounds. Bill Russell was 6'11", probably 180 pounds. He would have killed would Bill yeah. He would have killed him. So when you, you can't talk about eras and things like that. You just have to say they were the greatest in their times. So I believe Kobe Bryant, definitely his time. Kobe Bryant was the man. LeBron James is the man. And, and go back before that, MJ. I mean, you're not going to ever get me to say anything bad about MJ. You can, you can tell, look, I'm getting amped up about MJ. That's my guy. That's what I watch. Like, if the Bulls, if Jordan was hurt and he didn't play, I didn't watch the game. Now, I can watch a Lakers game if LeBron ain't playing. I ain't going to say no more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to thank you for your time. This was definitely a dope-ass episode. Yes, a lot sir. of things to take away from people and – yeah, once again, I just want to thank you for your time. Anytime, man. Hopefully you stay safe during this pandemic. Appreciate you once you again. Too. You too, my man. You know it. Once a warrior, always a warrior. Yep. All right. <laughs> All right. Appreciate all the love you guys have given to the podcast. Hope you enjoy this short intro season and hope to work with more people on and off the show. The Instagram page will continue to be active and I'll continue to try working with the black voices in our community. Stay tuned for season two. And once again, if anyone wants to be a part of the next season, feel free to reach out. Stay safe, wear a mask, and make sure you guys all go vote.